Um, would you turn with me to Numbers 12? Well, I'm not turning there. I have it on my notes. That's where I'm going to read from. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. For he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they, so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Now the man Moses was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly... The Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. Then the Lord came in the pillar of cloud and stood in the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam, and they both went forward. And then he said, hear now my words. Is there a prophet among you? I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision, if there is a prophet. I make him known, myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face, even plainly and not in dark sayings. And he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam. There she was, a leper. So Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, please do not lay this sin on us, in which we have done foolishly, in which we have sinned. Please do not let her be as one dead, whose flesh is half consumed when he comes out of his mother's womb. So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, Please heal her, O God, I pray. Then the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, would she not be ashamed seven days? Ashamed seven days. Let her be shut out of the camp seven days, and afterwards she may be received again. So Miriam was shut out of the camp seven days, and the people did not journey till Miriam was brought in again. So, at first when I was talking to the Lord about this, I asked, why were Aaron and Miriam so worked up over Moses' wife? And this is really the wrong question, in my opinion, um, this is like that question you ask your kids, like, why'd you do that horrible thing to your sibling? <laughs> and uh, there's really no justifiable answer to one of your kids doing that horrible thing to the other one. So in this instance, the real question is, what were they really saying when they said, we hear God too? They were saying, we don't have to listen to you. They were saying, you're not the boss of me. They were saying, you can't tell us what to do. They were saying, if God has something, he'll just tell me directly. They were actually denying that God was talking through Moses in that moment. They were shutting down what God was saying through him. So not wanting to listen is not wanting to change. And the Lord wants us to listen to each other 
and to respond to what he is saying. And he's not okay with us taking the prophetic casual. And there's a lot of prophetic that is released in this place. And this is for me. I am guilty of this. I am guilty of hearing you release things that the Lord is telling you. And in my brain going, oh, well, that's cool. Or that's really timely. You know, that is so powerful. And totally eliminating myself from the change that it's meant to elicit. The response that it is meant to elicit. The invitation that is meant to elicit. Even if I let it touch my heart a little bit, I'm very careful to not let it change me. I deflect it to others or imagine myself delivering it. I'm the one. Oh, yeah. So they said a thing, and oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I agree. Yeah. People should hear this, right? Lord, I repent before you and everyone of how casually I've taken the prophetic in this house through my friends, how little I let it change me, how I don't ask you as often as the invitation is there to, let, to show me how it applies to me, how I exempt myself when it's for me. Lord, help me view my own brokenness rightly and your righteousness rightly. And let your blood cover me. Okay, so Miriam gets leprosy as a result of her heart not being willing to change. I did a little cursory research my printer didn't want to print it well enough to really read very well, but I'm just going to say that it's leprosy is a powerful symbol reminding us, I can read some of it, of sin spread and the horrible consequence. Um, it creates numbness and deadness. The area that is leprous can't feel. It doesn't know that it is dead. Being able to feel is helpful. It lets us know what is hurting, what, is, what needs healing. And leprosy doesn't allow you to know what's hurting. It doesn't allow you to see what needs healing. Matthew 23, 27. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Leprosy is white, but it's not righteous white. It's dead white. 2 Timothy 3 one through nine. But know this, this is the last days. Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemous, 
disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away, for this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always leaning, learning, and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do, also, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. I think it's interesting that during worship, we were talking up with the Lord. It came out that you see me, you know me, you love me through and through. He sees us. He sees our sin. And we're not hiding it. And we're not hiding it from each other either. And it says in that verse, their folly will be manifest to all. And theirs was also as Janice and Jeremiah. In Mark 1, 40, now a leper came to him, imploring him, kneeling down to him and saying to him, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus moved with compassion, stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing to be cleansed. As soon as he has spoken, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The Lord doesn't want us to be leprous. He doesn't want us to be dying. And he has things to say to us that will help us feel a little bit. This message today is really about being aware and intentional about our response to judgment, to the Lord's correcting us. And he told me to tell you, tell them I love them. He sees us and he knows us and he loves us. Tell them I love them. Nothing is hidden, but tell them I love them. The Lord was talking to me about being in love with him instead of tr trying to sustain alarm. I've gotten lazy. I've gotten tired. Um, we as a people have gotten fatigued with scares. Um, you can hear it in the news. You can see it all around us. Overwhelmed by the need. Numb. Even people who have desperately tried can't stay vigilant with COVID. Even me, who has desperately tried, can't stay vigilant about the end times in my own strength. The scare wears off. I can keep trying to scare myself into doing the things I need to do, but that isn't actually going to get me where I want to go. It gets me nowhere, actually. <laughs> I've wasted a lot of time trying out of fear, and I've gotten as far as my own efforts can take me. That's what the Lord has shown me. You have gone as far as you can on scares and alarm, but I'm not there, and so... And I really didn't go very far at all with that. 
because it's way different than looking expectantly for the arrival of a groom. It's way different. Being scared about what's going to happen and going, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, is way different than going, he's coming, he's coming, my heart, I need my heart to be on fire because I love him and because he's amazing and I need to put everything into this because he deserves it, he deserves it. It's not about me. And Lord, I am sorry where I make it about me. I'm so scared of missing it that I am missing it because it's about you. In the prayer room this week, the Lord brought a prophetic song out. And I'm going to paraphrase and do it very terribly because I was writing notes to remind myself of the gist of it and not the beautiful way that it came out. And basically, it was something like, you don't see my returning because your heart is hard and love is cold. You don't love your brothers and you don't love your sisters. You thought it was hard between them because life, relationships, all that. And it's really hard between us, me and the Lord. 1 Corinthians 13. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, though I have all faith so that I can move mountains, but I have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but I have not love, it profits me nothing. Love for each other is love for the Lord, but loving the Lord is first. In Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, soul, with all your mind, is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. A word came forth this week also that he is removing lampstands. Revelation 2, 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you are persevered, who have persevered and have patience, and have labored for my name's sake, and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. What is our response going to be to judgment? What is our response going to be to correction? I'm telling you right now, 
light up is being corrected. We're in judgment right now. We have, I have fallen asleep and become selfish and self-focused. I'm not saying that lightly. I've become selfish and self-focused. I don't want it to be true, but it is. And I don't want it to stay because it's keeping me from the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 12. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions, with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. Just as a father, the son in whom he delights. All right. Last year, we got a warning. We had bats and frogs in the building. And Tom interpreted it. He felt like, he, he felt like, the Lord spoke to him clearly. Not he felt like. The Lord spoke to him clearly. He said, and I'm going to read a portion of it, not the whole thing. He said, just as I took Israel captive and destroyed the house they had built for me because it was corrupt, so I will do in your day what I desire is trust, specifically in the areas I've been showing you, money, health, peace, and sanctification. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. I require fidelity. The Lord showed me, this, that is the part that the Lord said, the Lord showed me that the bat and the frog were natural, not as much a test. They're just natural. If we don't advance, he will eventually give the building back to the environment around it. I'm bringing this up because we had another opportunity to find a frog in the building. We had another opportunity to go back to this word and say, oh, oh, wait, wait. Did I, did I, did I change? Did I, how did I respond to this word? Well, I'll tell you and repent before you that when I heard it, I'm like, heart, yep, I agree. That's, that's really powerful. That's really timely. I check myself and I have a little prayer and whoop, move right on. Didn't really go in deep. I'm going to skip to another part. The natural environment simply wants, always wants in. Prayer is the only thing that sanctifies the church building and ourselves. Sanctification separates something from the natural world. It sets it apart. We must be more set apart. Otherwise, he will give what he has built back to the world. We don't need to be better. We need to be less. We need him to be more. We need to believe that we must change and cry out for it, not try to focus more. We don't need to be better. We need to be less. I will just op- give you the opportunity. He felt from the Lord that um, in response to this, that the Lord took him to Isaiah 2. I'm inviting you to go to Isaiah 2. Not at the moment, though, because this is just a reminder that this is out there, that this is a warning for our church and that 
we have an opportunity to respond to it. In um, Tom's own words, he says, if we haven't sanctified the Lord as our only hope for our provision and our bodies, health and our families, and our shelter going forward, we must repent. Repent quickly. If this touches your heart, the Lord is at the door. Smear not responded to this at the time. And she picked, up, she picked up the we don't need to be better, we need to be less. We need him to be more. One of the things she brought out in her response was that she was taken to a passage that I, can't, I couldn't find because it's missing its chapter. But it's about the haughtiness of man and God's strength being revealed when we go low. I mention that because it is one of the response the Lord wants. It's the response the Lord wants. He wants us to go low. And we'll get to that. That's in the middle. Hold. So much. Okay. No, I did that. Yep, there it is. Correction either changes you, you repent and do the first works you love, or tries to kill Jesus by killing the ones who look like him. Matthew 26, 6. And when Jesus was in Bethany at the house of Simon the leper, a woman came to him having an alabaster flask, a very costly fragrant oil, and she poured it on his head as he sat at the table. But when his disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, Why this waste? For this fragrant oil may have been sold for much and given to the poor. But when Jesus was aware of it, he said to them, Why do you trouble the woman? For she has done a good work for me. For you have the poor with you always, but me you do not have always. For in pouring this fragrant oil on my body, she did it for my burial. Assuredly, I say to you, whenever this gospel is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will also be told as a memorial to her. Don't stop there. Then one of the twelve, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver so that from that time he sought opportunity to betray him. Mary's response was to break and weep and anoint the Lord and sit at his feet and let him change her and worship him. And Judas's response was to kill the Lord. Do the same act. Actually, her act caused a response in him. That was it. That was, that was the... That was the that was it. That's all he could handle. When he saw her response, his response was to kill the Lord. Luke 7. This is the parallel version, but it has a few other bits in it. So, 36. Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house. And he sat down to eat, and behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew what Jesus had sat at the table at the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, this man, if you were a prophet, would know who it was and what manner of woman this is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. 
And he said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debts. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. And then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And he gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. As the Lord shows us things, just like it came forth, we don't want to cover ourselves with shame, which is really pride. And it's really easy to go there very quickly. <laughs> At least for me, when I get shown something, I immediately go into that shame ditch. Because I really don't want it dealt with and it squirms in me and, yeah. It's actually beautiful when the Lord shows you something. It's like Noah was singing about. You take it to the Lord and he changes it. It actually becomes all of that love more that Jesus is talking about in this passage. Because you're forgiven much, you love more. The more he shows you, the more you get to take it to him and he forgives you. And then you love more. It's really actually way more than we can even ask or imagine. Let's go to Jeremiah 26, 7. I know it's hard to hear that the choice of in judgment or correction is to either change and go low or it will be to kill Jesus or the, or the ones who speak or sound like Jesus. But I can't find any other option. There isn't an option where you get to just, okay, see the sin but not change it. It, that will lead to the killing. He, because we know we'll miss out. We, we know in our heart that it either changes us or we are separated. And to stay somewhere in the middle is so painful and so fruitless that we will end up going the direction of killing Jesus. So the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord. Now it happened when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak to all the people, that the priests and the prophets and all the people seized him saying, we will surely die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord saying, this house shall be like Shiloh and this, you will surely die. I don't know why I did that. <laughs> you will surely die. Why have you prophesied in the name of the Lord saying, this house shall be like Shiloh and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant. And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. 
when the princes of Judah heard these things, I don't remember if I skipped around, but there you go. They came up from the king's house to the house of the Lord and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. And the priests and the prophets spoke to the princes and all the people saying, this man deserves to die for he has prophesied against this city as you've heard with your ears. This should sound a little familiar. It's kind of what happened to Jesus. Right? You can't see it. I'm going to go bring him to authority. I'm going to tell you. And they're going to respond the same way. Uh, meaning, this man doesn't deserve to die. I'm skipping ahead. But then Jeremiah spoke to all the princes and all the people saying, the Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against the city with all the words that you have heard. The Lord sent me to do this. Now, therefore, amend your ways and your doing and obey the voice of the Lord your God. Then the Lord will relent concerning the doom which he has pronounced against you. As for me, here I am in your hand. Do with me as what seems good and proper to you. For know for certain that if you put me to death, you will surely bring innocent blood on yourselves, on this city, and on its inhabitants. For truly, the Lord has sent me to you to speak all these words in your hearing. So the princes and all the people said to the priests and the prophets, This man does not deserve to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. The princes and all the people are saying that to the priests and the prophets. So the caution in this is that when we in this church hear that the Lord is correcting this church, our choice is to change or we become like these priests and prophets, not princes and people in here. The crowd's response to Stephen is to stop their ears and refuse to listen as they stone him to death. So let's turn there. I cut off some of it, so I'm going to do Acts 7, and you can jump. I originally said 44, but let's jump a little further in. I don't know what number. I removed the numbers. To, if your Bible's got those little headings, Israel resists the Holy Spirit. It's the little heading. You stiff. Starting with you, stiff neck. You, stiff neck and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayer and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of the Lord and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as they called on God, saying, as they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. When he said that, he fell asleep. John 15, 18 says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were the world, the world would love its own, yet because you're not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the world 
word that I said to you, a servant is no greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. Okay. The Lord recently showed me through a friend speaking truth and love that I've not been reliable. Not only that, but I was corrected because I was pridefully congratulating myself in front of others for being reliable. (laughs) Oh, God. Yeah, God showed me that I would and have dropped the ball on things that I feel strongly about. I had caused others distress because I was prone to fail again. I desperately wanted this to not be true. I wanted to argue and justify, justify, which would mean saying, oh, you don't know. You, you, it, really, actually, it's not that bad. Justify by saying, okay, if you just understood, if you knew the situation, if you knew the circumstances, that kind of justify. My transgression felt small. I wanted to explain it wasn't all that bad. I wanted to be someone that you could rely on, not someone who had to check in with in order to make sure that I was aware of the responsibilities I had signed up for. My own At first, I could honestly not remember a time when I hadn't come through. But then I suddenly thought of an instance, and I realized, oh, this is me. I am that unreliable person. I could try my hardest, but I'd probably do it again. And I grieved. But I shouldn't be surprised, actually. I'm not perfect, I know this. It's not the only way I've made others hurt or their life harder or hurt a friend. And part of what is hard or was hard is that others could see it, not just the person who corrected me, but everybody else too. Others could see I wasn't perfect, but I already knew that too. I knew that they could see my imperfections. I just didn't like the moment of realizing they could see it. I felt exposed. And the truth is, the only one who didn't know that my imperfect, sinful self was showing, kind of like my slip is showing, that kind of thing, was me. And the thing was that everybody still loved me. The friend who corrected me still loved me. Nobody was surprised. Nobody was shocked. Nobody was like, that's it. That's That's a straw. I had lost nothing, actually, seeing my own sin except delusion and pride. I felt, in fact, I I gained because in facing that correction, I could repent. I could give it to God, and I did give it to God, and he covered it by his blood. Love covered it. And it was no longer hidden from me. And it's covered. I can't go back in time and fix it. It's already done. I can't vow to never do it again. Because I might try my best, but 
Chances are I'll slip up again. And just like me trying to be patient or any of the other fruit of the Spirit, it's not really something I can make myself be. I can just ask and receive. I can just say, okay, I'm not that, but I want to be. I know who the truly steadfast one is. And he can meet me steadfast. If I keep looking at him and if I keep asking him. Because as I behold him, I become like him. There's freedom in that. It's still a little stingy. But it's worth it. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's hard to respond rightly to correction, but that, pardon me, is what she did when she broke that alabaster jar and broke over, wept over the Lord and broke at his feet and kissed his feet. She saw herself rightly. I'm a sinner. And she saw him rightly. She knew where to go, who to ask, who to worship. And it was counted to her. Responding rightly, or responding, going low, is actually being elevated, which is hard for me to get my whole mind around. The process of going low is the very process of being elevated. Strangely. It's just so foreign to me. Jesus did to perfection. He came to the earth. He took on flesh. He served with his living, and he served with his dying. And in his death, even physically, that death on the cross, he was lifted up. Even physically, he was just elevated. And all the world will see this. So high that all will worship before this generous Faithful, loving God. But you can't game the system. You can't think, I'll go low so that they have to bring me to the best place at the table. You You can only respond to the king in humility. Knowing who he is and knowing who you are. It's like everybody's response in the Bible ever. (laughs) David's and... (laughs) David, yeah, that came through at worship. Make me like David. I'm after your heart. I just keep running back to you. You can only admit all your brokenness and see yourself rightly, admit all your brokenness and your sin and your failure, and then allow him to cleanse you with his blood, his perfect sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice. It's perfect. Mark 10, 43. Yet it shall be so among you 
But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be a sl- be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to, to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's go to Psalm 123. And to you lift, I lift my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of maid to the hand of her mistress, so your eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, the contempt of the proud. Years ago, I had a dream. Years ago, I had a dream. And it, I don't remember it very well, but what I do remember, I couldn't find it because it was so long ago, was that in it, I was grumbling and complaining. And on the wall were servant lights, like in a manor house in these old kind of old-fashioned manor house where they have either bells or lights or you buzz for the servant. And one was blinking. And I knew it was Jesus' light. And as I watched it, it slowly stopped. And I knew I was out of time. And suddenly, I was desperate. I didn't care who knew. I didn't care. I just had to follow him. I knew it. I was so desperate. And part of what I was desperate for was that it wouldn't be too waited too long being bitter and complaining and missed him. I would say or do anything. That was the dream. That was a dream. It was a warning then that propelled me on, but that same thing propelled me on in a certain amount of fear. Not fear of the Lord. It could have been, but it was more fear of missing out. I want to take seriously and listen to the warnings, but I don't want to be motivated by the fear of missing out. I do want the fear of the Lord. I want that fear of the desire to be ready to give him praise and worship, the desire that that he should get it all and, and just, yeah, it's kind of a metal muddle in me. Song of Solomon 5. I sleep but my heart is awake. It's the voice of my beloved. He knocks, saying, open for me, my sister, my love, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is covered with dew, my locks with the drops of the night. I've taken up my robe. How can I put it on again? I've washed my feet. How can I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the latch of the door, and my heart yearned for him. I rose to open for my beloved, and my hand dripped with myrrh, my fingers with liquid myrrh on the handles of the lock. I opened for my beloved. But my beloved had turned away and was gone. My heart leapt up when he spoke, and I sought him, but I couldn't find him, and I called him, but he gave no answer. The watchmen who went about the city found me, and they struck me, and they wounded me. The keepers of the walls took my veil away from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if you find my beloved, tell that you tell him I am lovesick. Here's an actual conversation that David and I had this week. Me. If I've missed it, then I have to fix it. David, no. If you missed it, then you have to repent. Psalm 32. This is what I'm going to end with. So whoever is doing response can get where they're going. 
Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, and whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groanings all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought in summer. Selah. I acknowledged my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Selah. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters, they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance, Selah. I will instruct you and teach you in the ways you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord Mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. The Lord said, I love you. Tell them I love them. Lord, help me to respond by going low. Help me to respond in correction to going low. Help me to give you my heart and my hurt and search myself and say, where have I? Help me to listen to my brothers and sisters as they release prophetic words, not take them lightly, not take them casually. Help me to see that you're trying to get through to me and you will shake things in order to get through to me because you love me and you don't want me to be left trapped You don't want me to be left bound. You don't want me to be left thinking that I have you when I don't. Lord, this is my testimony. When you correct me, I want to change. Amen. I find you 